Welcome to the ISA's Arborview podcast, a series bringing you conversations with researchers and tree care experts about current issues in arboriculture. I'm Mark Hartley, your host on this episode of Arborviews. Kevin Eckert is the President and the Managing Director of Arbor Global Incorporated and Arbor Global Hong Kong Limited. He provides arboricultural and vegetation management consulting services to electrical utilities, government agencies, regulatory agencies, environmental organisations, corporate clients, and much more through Asia, the Pacific Rim, and the United States. Welcome, Kevin. Great. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. So we're looking today at uh, electrical hazards. Um, How can an arborist minimise the risk of uh, potential electrocution or electrical harm um, when he's working? Well, a lot of it has to do with just being aware of the electric utilities. Of course, people that are doing line clearance are looking for the lines. Their job is to keep the trees out of the lines, but there's an awful lot of people out there doing private work, you know, working for a a private property owner or a municipality, people picking fruit near trees, and they're not aware that the lines are an issue. They know about power lines, they have electricity in their house, but they're not aware of the lines. They just look like benign cables up there. And these lines, the electricity in there, the voltages, very quickly can kill you or cause serious injury. So they just don't understand. So really the key, the beginning, is to recognize that there is a potential hazard up there because you're getting up close with either yourself or your tools and equipment, all of which can conduct electricity. So we've got to be aware of the wires and the things that we have. I'm assuming that branches themselves can do enough harm if you have a branch that So it goes within to that zone and touches the electricity? Absolutely. Indirect contacts are some of the biggest killers that we have. Certainly most people know not to touch the conductors with their body, but many of the problems we have are with branches, either a branch that's intermittently blowing in in the wind or when a a tree worker cuts a branch and it falls onto onto the limb and then it goes down the tree, even on wet days, if, you're, if a branch is touching a line and you touch it, you can get a little tingle or you can get shocked seriously. So uh, even without actually intending to do anything, just simply climbing a tree could potentially cause you harm if that tree's conducting on a wet day, for example. Absolutely. That's incredible. Um, what are the most common electrical hazards that are found in arborist work? Obviously, you said there's uh, indirect contacts. Uh, apart from branches, are there other indirect contacts that we can have? Well, the tools and equipment. And there's been a number of instances where people working, like I had a case uh, where unfortunately a person was very seriously injured, and there was a power line running through an orchard, and they were using a man lift. Well, they weren't trained. They were picking fruit, and the, the guys weren't looking. They were looking at the trees, not the lines, and they lifted the lift with the person. The person contacted the line. Sometimes crane operators doing work, moving around houses or buildings, they don't see the lines or pay attention and they make a contact. So um, a lot of these people working around them, not working directly on the lines, just doing things near the lines. And how about uh, during storm events? Uh, Obviously, there are going to be trees that are touching the wires and all sorts of problems in those. Is that a risk for arborists? Oh, absolutely. Many times with storms, what happens is the trees fall down they block roads and they take power lines down. So you have a lot of emergency workers out there trying to restore access on roadways and power lines. Now many of the municipal workers and contractors working to restore roads, 
they may not even understand about the lines, but even the electrical line clearance workers are out there. They they know about those things. So the trees hit the lines. Now, the lines are up on poles. They're up on poles for a reason to keep them away from you. Well, now the trees brought the lines down to you. And sometimes the protective devices, the fuses, do not kick off. And there's a number of instances I've been involved with after storms where the lines are still live. Now, some people say, oh, when they're live, they're dancing around and hissing. Well, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. So a benign cable on the ground can be energized. The other problem is when the lines are knocked down, what if they land on a fence? You know, you can be 100 meters away, and if you touch that fence, you're, you're electrocuted or, or shocked. So during a storm event where there are branches and wires down, we should treat all wires as active until we're told otherwise by the authority. And we should treat all metal conductors really as, as potentially live sources until we know that there's no, no cables contacting them. Absolutely. That's an excellent, excellent policy. And we always caution anyone around there, any conductor, treat it as energized. So what other sort of practices or standards or uh, training principles are there for us as arborists? Well, there's a number of resources out there. Um, certainly, most of the, the training being done is on the job, and a lot of our colleagues and other folks that do this work, especially those that do line clearance, and in many of the electric utilities that have arborists on staff, are very knowledgeable about the hazards and the challenges and different things like that. And as I said earlier, awareness of the problem. Do inspections. Start up a, a program where you're regularly inspecting your work. Now, as arborists, it seems standard practice we should be checking our workout. But in my experience, it doesn't happen as much as we would like to see it. And when you are doing the checking, always look for electric lines up there. And when we see those lines, we really need to consider them as potentially almost like a landmine ready to explode on us. We need to consider them extremely dangerous. That's a very good perspective. Some of the guidelines, the ANSI Z133.1, for example, and, and OSHA in the United States has established a guideline of 10 feet or a little over three meters, saying that if you have a tree, a branch, or if you or your tools or equipment are going to be within that zone, then you need to be qualified, which means trained, experienced, with demonstrated proficiency before you work in that area. So prevention is obviously the, the best policy in this situation. We, we come out to a site, we look up, we check out for the wires, we avoid them, but sometimes things do go wrong. How, how do we handle, what's the process when, when we find ourselves in an electrical emergency? Well, you're exactly correct. I always tell people prevention, but we know how that works sometimes. So certainly when any emergency happens, all work must stop. And immediately everyone involved, especially the leadership on site, needs to assess the situation. What happened? Who's involved? What's going on? From there, you need to identify where the problem is and then isolate everything. Make sure you know where everyone is and then everyone gets to a safe place. Isolate the site. Identify the injured. Take care of any injuries. And then contact the utility. Because the, the challenge with electricity is it's not visible. So you could have the ground energized or equipment energized. And this is why I first assess the situation and then make sure everyone's aware and take action to make sure you do not have more than one victim. Hopefully you have no victims. But if you do, because one of the biggest problems is people see something happen and they immediately go to the site 
they could become a second victim. So, so a person could still be uh, potentially a carrier of electricity and touching them could end up in serious... Absolutely. A tree, a tree branch, a truck, if a boom's in contact, a person, you need to assess the situation first and then go from there. So, so if we're in a situation where that happens, and pity helpers, none of us want that, but you're there in a crane, a boom truck, something's mm-hmm. hit the wires, we should treat that as an energised crane or an energised... Um, bucket truck, what do we do then? Do we call okay, electrical authority? Absolutely. You need, as I said, first isolate the site, make sure everyone's safe, uh, take care of the injured, and then contact the owner of the facility. Do nothing until they de-energize, whatever they have to do, and they ground it, and they tell you that it is safe, because you can't look at a piece of equipment and tell if it's energized. So, Okay. Obviously, doing something after emergency is important, but as we said, preventing the emergency in the first place is the best practice. And we said, looking over, the toolbox talk, documenting mm-hmm. that process mm-hmm. and making sure we have an assessment for utilities there every time, mm-hmm. um, how, how will that help? Well, again, awareness is the issue. When I talk to people, I train people, be it municipalities or even line workers, it's interesting how many are not aware of this. You know, we use electricity in our life all the time, so it becomes very, we're very accustomed to it, and you plug in and there's no problems. And those wires just don't look like they're a problem. So we get complacent. So we need to imbue our work areas with a, a safety culture, if you will. Safety, to a large degree, is an attitude. So I think what companies should do is establish policies and procedures that they go through a process. Um, you mentioned the tailgate, the safety things. Have training, regular training, refresher training on a regular basis to remind us about these things. So you've mentioned training there several times, and that seems to be a key, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. having a tailgate safety policy and having it out there working Mm -hmm. still needs training, and not just once, but ongoing training. That's right. And and so where does an arborist go to get that sort of training? Well, there's a number of sources. Certainly if the local utility has an arborist on staff, they're fairly knowledgeable. My recommendation is go to people that know trees and know electricity because they've got a lot of experience and, and that helps quite a bit. There are some established programs out there. There are consultants like myself. The Tree Care Industry Association has a, an, an EHAP program, some publications. Of course, we Google everything these days. You can find some good information there. But what many safety experts have told me is that having external training in on somewhat of a regular basis helps with the refresher trainings in-house. But the biggest key is when you establish your program, you need to enforce it. So, so establish, train, enforce. Um, you said regular just so that I and the other uh, listeners understand. What do you mean when you say regular? Once a year, once every 10 years, once every five years, once every six months? That's an excellent question. And I tell people, if you're talking to me, maybe every five minutes. <laughs> but um, the ANSI standard, I believe it's the ANSI standard that recommends at least once a year. Maybe it's not in the standard, but most of the safety people I know talk about that. Tailgates every week, at least once a week. But it really depends on your workforce and if you have a lot of turnover. Um, generally speaking, it's recommended if you're going to do a new task or a new tool or you haven't done something in a year, you need to have refresher training. So that would be a good cycle. That sounds like great advice, Kevin. Thanks for coming in and talking with us. I really appreciate you being here. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.